Jesus says, hey, you're not going to show me your love through sadness, but you will show me your love through your obedience. Because obedience is better than sacrifice, better than tears. And your comfort is not going to be found in those tears, is not going to be found in, this, in your sadness, but your comfort will be found in your duty. Jesus says, now that you've heard the commandments, now that you have read the commandments with your eyes, now that you know the commandments, it's not enough. You must obey them. You must keep them. We must keep the commandment because the surest evidence of our love to Christ is our obedience. And those who obey him, the second characteristic of Jesus' duty, he will be generous. I'm the oldest of four. And growing up, my mom knew that if she buys one thing, she needs to buy four, one for each person. And so when she would buy, for example, Pringles, chips, she would buy four boxes of Pringles. And I'm the kind of guy that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a saver. I eat one or two chips, put it back, wait until tomorrow. My brothers are like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't live to tell another day for sure. And so when I got married, I kind of brought this into the marriage, okay? Because then I got married, we don't have a lot of money, but Pringles are on sale. We're going to splurge. So we bought two boxes of Pringle. We was splurging big time. I didn't think I had to explain this. You see? Chris and I is more like my brother, and I'm, more, I'm still the saver kind. So she got her box of Pringle. I don't even know if it lived to tell the next day. I think she finished it that night. And me, I ate one or two, put it back by my computer, by, on my desk. And then the next day, come back from work, have one or two, put it back. Maybe three, you know, that, that's the... And then the next day, I was like, I had a bad day. I was like, so looking forward to have my chips. <laughs> I got home, opened the box. You've got to be kidding me right now. And so now I'm like, we need to have a discussion here. <laughs> we share everything, but that is mine. <laughs> so God had to grow me. In this, but, um, you know, Krishna is one of the most generous family that I've ever met. And, I, and God is working on my heart in this. But I remember, and if you're not married and you're a young man, listen well and learn from my mistakes. Wedding dress shopping is exciting. <laughs> no, it's not. Not for the groom to be. And, and I don't know why I said I was going to go on for the ride because that was a long day. We... <laughs> We left, and then we're doing the shops in Ladysmith, and then we're going to Duncan, and then we're all the way to Victoria. Like we spent all day. And the, um, the most exciting part about dress shopping when you're a guy and you're the one that's going to be married is that you can't see the dress. So I'm hanging out by myself in the car all day. I read like a book and a half already. And I'm like, please, find a dress. And then it's like after dinner, and she comes in the car. She's like, I think I found a dress. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go home. And then she talks to me about how beautiful the dress is, and it's the dress of her dreams, and how she really wants it, and how she's excited about the dress. And she keeps talking about it. I'm like, that's great. That's great. That's great. And I didn't see what she was going to come with, but she's like, so are you going to buy it? What do you mean? Am I, gonna, I, I haven't even seen it. You want me to buy something I haven't seen? Is that what I, was that what the groom is supposed to do? And then 
So we had our first fight in the parking lot of a wedding dress sh uh, store in Victoria. And then I feel like God telling me, do you love her? And I was like, this has nothing to do with love. This has something to do with money. <laughs> Love's not the problem here. And so I kept arguing and arguing. And then I, I felt the spirit tell me, this is not about you. And I was like, ouch, that hurts. This is not about you. And I was like, that's right. So I bought the dress. It was hard. But I bought the dress. And then, and then we got married. And, and we've been married for over three years now. It's amazing. So guys, just buy the dress. <laughs> but being generous is hard. Being generous is very hard. And we like to be on the receiving end better than we like to give it. No matter what the Bible says, there's more pleasures in receiving in what is given than receiving. Well, I've been on the receiving end and I really enjoy it. <laughs> Judas, verse 22. We're still in John chapter 14. And what I like is that John here makes it makes a very good case. Like Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus, is gone. This is Judas, also referred as Thaddeus in other passages. Thaddeus said, but Lord, why... You know it's bad when someone starts to question what, why. Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Basically what, what, what Thaddeus here or, John, or um, Judas is asking is, Jesus, and it's a question that I have to admit, I've asked Jesus and, and perhaps you've asked too, is Jesus, what makes me special? Jesus, why do you choose me and not others? Tell me, tell me what makes me special. And I like how Jesus, you know, answers the heart. And the real issue here, and not just the question that seems to be asked. But he really digs into the real problem and answers him. In verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Jesus shows that there's an inseparable connection between love and obedience. That love is the root, but obedience is the fruit. Jesus teaches that the fundamental of love is duty. That those that he calls his children are those who love him. And their love is demonstrated through their obedience. Because it's not about what you do that makes you special. But it's about the who you know that makes you special. The what you do is only a reflection of who lives in you. Verse 23, Jesus says, those that love me and obey my teaching. And this is how generous he is. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I love how Jesus doesn't say on judgment day, we will come in love with you. At the end of times, we will come in love with you. But he says, those that, those that love me, and this is present time, those that love me today, those that love me right now, those that continually love me, we will come and continually, this is the, ver the same verb tense, continually be living in them. We have the power of Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit living in us. Just think about that for one minute. We literally have Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the power. We're bringing heaven everywhere we go. So I'm like, let's just bring heaven to Nanaimo today. Let's bring heaven to Nanaimo. And if you think that that's the end of his generosity, Jesus' generosity keeps going. He's the gift that keeps on giving. He's amazing. Jesus says in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. You know, we have some formalities that we do in, in, in our culture here. When we leave, we say, see you later. Or we say, have a good day. And even yesterday, someone was sharing with me, she's, you know, we say, see you later, but I'm probably never going to see them again. And we say have a good day, but do we really, like, does it really affect us if they have a good day or a bad day? You know, it's more of a formality. We're trying to be polite. 
morning we're trying to leave something. But here, the word peace is shalom that Jesus is asking. And shalom is a rich, deep word for the Jewish people. It means a lot more than just peace or the absence of war and distress. But it's shalom means peace in the sense of wholeness, completeness, health, security, even prosperity in the best of sense. Because when you're enjoying God's peace, there is real joy and fulfillment. The gift that Jesus gives are not as the, the world gives its good children that are kind. The world gives gift that concerns time and body. But Christ gives a gift that enriches your soul for eternity. The world gives and takes. But Jesus gives a part that shall never be taken away. So Jesus is encouraging his disciples and encourages us, us this morning. Be generous in your duty. Jesus' peace banishes all fears. It frees us to really love each other. Love, not because of hardship and trial, but love in, in the midst of hardships and trials. Because we have the promise of the peace of Jesus. So don't be afraid, but love, Jesus says. Love like I have loved you. And if you're waiting for the right time to love, Jesus says you're going to wait for a long time. And this is the last characteristic, the third characteristic in his last sermon that Jesus gives his disciples about his duty. He says, be intentional in your duty. And I don't mean to pick on my relationship with Christina, but I remember when, um, when, when summer, I went back in September to go to school. And I miss Christina so much. You know when you know and you know her that you, she's the one that you're going to marry. And so it was like September, I bought her a ring, and then I knew I wasn't going to see her until Christmas but I would look at that ring, and that was the promise that I was going to ask her one day, even though she didn't know. I was so excited. And I had planned to ask her to marry me on December the 17th, which would be exactly a year after we had started dating. And I was flying in on December the 12th. I thought I was going to ask her that about three, two, three days beforehand, get this all lined up. Then I had this whole thing planned out where we were going to do it, the same place where we did. Well, I asked her to be my girlfriend a year before, and now I was going to ask her to marry me, and it was going to be majestic and beautiful, and it was going to be awesome. And now the only part I had left was to ask for her father's permission. But I'm smart. So I realized if I ask for permission, he can say no. So I should ask for blessing. Then he can't say no. Well, if he does, I just explained that I'm not asking for his permission, but I'm still going to do it. I would really like to have his blessings. <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to ask for his blessing, not his permission. I had this all planned out, you see. And it's, it's, it's the 14th of December or the 13th, I can't remember exactly, but a few days before the 17th. And I go see, and uh, I live that, I slept at the youth pastor's house, and I would drive in with the family car in the morning, get there, and Jim was up and, while everybody else was sleeping. So I was like, Oh man, I've been wanting to have this talk for a long time, but I really want to run away from this. My heart is like beating out of my chest. And I was like, Jim, I would really like to talk to you about something. So then I start, remember this whole talk about the dress? Like I'm like playing the whole girly thing right now. I'm like telling him all that I love about Christina, how much I like her and all the things that I'm so beautiful about and the whole thing. And he probably sees it coming a hundred miles away. And then I pulled the question. I'm like, and I would like to have your blessing to marry Christina. I did not expect what he was going to say. He looked at me, and like, I, if he says yes, this is in the bag. If he says no, then I just got to go into my whole argument, right? I'm prepared. He says, he looks at me, and he says, I have to think about it. I was like, I was not prepared for that one. 
What do you say to that? I was like, yeah, that seems wise. (laughs) And the next day I come home and I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make him coffee because I know he loves coffee in the French press. So I come home early, make coffee. He wakes up. I'm like, good morning, Jim. I hope you're having a great morning. Um, here's your coffee, just the way you like it. And then I'm like, just by any chance, would you have time to think about it? No. Okay. No problem. It's the 15th now, and we just got one more day, right? But, but it's okay. No problem. I'm thinking that, right? I'm not saying this out loud. I don't want to pressure him, but I'm like... I was trying to make it obvious. The 16th, I show up in the morning, there's dishes. I'm like, I am going to prove him that I am husband material. So I did the dishes and all, it looks like impeccable. And I am waiting for him in the kitchen to be like, hey, I made you coffee in this clean chicken, uh, kitchen. <laughs> chicken, sorry. I love chicken, but that's the story for another time. Um, in this clean ki- kitchen. And I'm like, would you have time to think about it? And he looks at me and says, not yet. I'm like, whoa, this is like, how long does that take to think about this? And I'm like, okay. And then the next day, it's the 17th. And he still hasn't think about it. I am like, this sucks. <laughs> I'm like, all my plans are down in the ocean. I'm like, at least the ocean is close here, but it's unfortunate. And then, so I'm like, I guess we're not going to get engaged at Christmas. And it, all my plans are thrown and it's i'm so upset and depressed and i'm like okay move on so then we kind of move on and then on the 24th he's not the really kind of touchy guy but he comes upstairs gives me a big heart in the 24th just before lunchtime and he says samuel i have time to think about it and i wouldn't be more honored for you to marry anybody else than my daughter so i was like great you're late But I got so excited, I went to go get the rain, and we went for a walk, and I proposed to her right there. And, and then she said yes, and then we had yeah, the whole story. But we understand that the deepest level of love is intentional. Even though Hollywood movies want to teach us that real love is spontaneous, and, and that you get married on you know, just a spontaneous activity, and you meet someone, and you fall in love spontaneously. But spontaneous is good, but real deep love is intentional. And Jesus continues his sermon by showing how intentional he is. He says in verse 29, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. And I really believe that this this is a central verse of this passage here, of this last sermon. Jesus didn't just decide that he was going to die on the cross that night. He knew all along that that was his purpose. He knew all along what he had to do. He understood that nothing happens by accident. I tell the students, I told the student this year, I said, you know, you're soon going to realize that this is your first year away from home, that the dishes don't get done by accident, that the laundry doesn't get cleaned by accident, that your papers don't get written by accident, that your roommate relationship does not become healthy by accident. And I said, why is it that when it comes to spiritual, your spiritual life, you will believe that it's going to happen by accident? It's not. It requires intentionality. It requires hard work. And your neighbor is not going to get to know Jesus. We're not going to change the story by accident. But it will require people like Christ Community Church to be intentional in reaching our world and reaching our community to make a difference. And right after Jesus tells them this, 
that nothing happens by accident. Verse 30, I will not say much more to you. Jesus says, this is it. Be intentional in everything that you do. And now I am not going to say much more to you. Those are the last word of his last sermon. Be intentional in everything you do. How intentional are you in everything you do? His time was short. Jesus' time was short because his opportunity will be soon over. And we should always talk with purpose because we don't know how much time we have left. I don't want to scare anybody here this morning, but uh, I noticed a trend that seems to happen with people is that they uh, grow old, get sick, and at one point die. And when it comes to this point, they cannot share the gospel anymore. Shocking, right? So let us share what, what good news we have while we're in good health. Jesus says, don't wait up to be intentional, but today matters. Today, be intentional. And if you're not convinced yet how important this is, Jesus continues in verse 30, the second half of verse 30, he says, do this and remember for the prince of this world is coming. Satan is at work. The enemy is at work to destroy what we're doing, to destroy what God wants to do, to destroy what his children, what his church wants to do. But he says, do not be alarmed. And he continues, because he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. This is how Jesus concluded his last sermon. You should see how cheerful I am that I am going to the cross, that I am going to suffer for God, for my Father in heaven, because it means that the world will know that I love the Father and do exactly what he has commanded me. How cheerful are you this morning about going through the trials? How cheerful are you this morning about the hardship that you're going through? So that your co-worker, your mother-in-law, your son, your granddaughter will know and may learn that you love your Father in heaven and do exactly what he has commanded you. How cheerful are you this morning to be on duty for the gospel? And I conclude with this, verse 31. Jesus is sharing this sermon to the disciples as they are sitting, either around the table, on chairs, or on the ground. And at the end of this, he tells them, come, let us leave now. And I love what the King James Version says, arise, because they were sitting, it's so appropriate. Let us Go, hence, together, at once. I love how Jesus doesn't say, all right, I am going now, I must go. Arise, or I'm arising, I have to go. He's inviting you. He's inviting me. He's inviting us. He says, arise, come with me. Let us go. Let us go comfort those who need comforting. Let us go give generously to those who are in need. Let us go intentionally transform Nanaimo for Christ. Jesus is inviting you this morning. Arise. Let us go. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your, your last sermon that teaches us so much about our role as a Christian. That, Lord, you want us to be comforting as we find our comfort in you. You want us, Lord Jesus, and you're calling us to be generous as you're generous, so generous towards us, Lord Jesus. And you are calling us, Lord, and inviting us to be intentional with you. What an amazing privilege and honor that you are calling us co-here with you, Lord Jesus, that you are making us co-here and inviting us in your redemptive plan for this world. 
that your most precious possession or that your most precious creation is the human by the human heart or the human soul every soul lord that matters and you are inviting us to partner with you to reach them for you to raise them with you lord jesus and we're praying this morning and, and i'm saying lord i take my duty as a christian seriously and all of those Lord, that are taking this duty seriously and saying, Lord, we want to go and be generous. We want to go in comfort. We want to go, Lord, and be intentional. I invite you to join me this morning in saying amen. In the name of Jesus, amen.